Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Well, we just finished a service on Friday, and it was around the commemoration of the crucifixion of Jesus. You can read of all of this, and I encourage you to do that this weekend, to actually sit down sometime this weekend and just read the story of the Passover, the story of, uh, and you can start in Matthew chapter 26, go to the end of Matthew, three chapters, or you can go to Luke's gospel and you can read it in Luke, I believe it's in chapter 22 to the end of 24. But I encourage you to read the whole story in one sitting, or if you listen to it in your buds, to listen to it in one sitting. It starts with a couple of days before the Passover, and then it leads into the Last Supper. Then it flows into the arrest and trial of Jesus, moving right on into the sufferings of Christ, the crucifixion on the cross, his death, and then his resurrection. The story gets particularly, and I never tire of the excitement when you come to the end of the story, the, whether it be the end of chapter 28 in Matthew or the end of chapter 24 in Luke, and Jesus says, he says, listen, I'm leaving, but I've got a better plan. My Holy Spirit, he is going to come not to abide with you. He says to abide in you if you believe in me. His Holy Spirit, his presence abides in us. And then in Matthew, he actually uses those words. He says, and lo, I will be with you always to the ends of the earth. What a glorious story. So I hope that you'll take the time to read it. It is really valuable in a translation that hopefully is really easy to understand and just grab hold of that whole gospel message. Friday, I shared three points. We were in our minds, in our conversation, we were gathered at the foot of the cross. And that's where God laid it all down. He gave us his son. And they didn't, they didn't take Jesus' life. We know he surrendered his life. The Bible says as a lamb to the slaughter. And so we need to leave something at the cross. God laid it all down. We need to leave something. And I share the three things that we need to leave. We need to leave our sin at the cross. We need to leave our lists of people that have hurt us, our wounds, and we need to leave our worries and anxieties. Uh, this will no doubt this week be up on podcast. You can go to our website and listen to it on podcast as well as today's message will also be on podcast. But today I want to take you to that glorious story of Matthew chapter 28. And if you have that, I invite you to read along with me. Matthew 28, verse 1. Just follow along with this. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. 
Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Although this is really the story, this is the, uh, the end of Passion Week. My text is really in Job. When I was thinking about sharing this morning, I was drawn to a phrase that Job spoke in Job chapter 14, verse 14. Now, Job is one of the uh, earlier writers of the Old Testament. And Job was in this battering back and forth conversation with his friends, the Bible says. Now, I've often thought, if you've got friends like that, who needs enemies? I mean, they were going back and forth, back and forth. They were talking spiritual. They were talking theological, historical, and philosophical topics. Job, Job was under some pretty heavy suffering. It was the cause of, we know the behind the scenes where Satan was buffeting him, but Job didn't know that. And so everybody had an opinion like they do today. Well, I know what's going on. I know what you did wrong. And they were going back and forth. And Job makes a statement. He starts into one of his dialogues in chapter 12 of Job, then chapter 13 and chapter 14. And then Job makes this one little phrase. He says, the phrase is, if someone dies, will they live again? If someone dies, will they live again? I mean, that phrase has echoed throughout the centuries and millennials. I mean, you think about today, death throughout the ages, we do all we can to preserve from dying. And I don't know if that's wrong, as long as it doesn't become an obsession. We don't want to die. There's an unknownness about dying. We haven't been that way before. But at the same time, Throughout the centuries, and, and again, over thousands of years, uh, we have done all kinds of civilizations have responded very differently. We have mummified tombs that were made in case there was a coming back again, a second chance, maybe as a different species. Death and some in our own century, there are some who in their wealth, just before they died, had their bodies uh, preserved in this uh, capsule and frozen in hopes that Science will catch up, medicine will catch up, and one day we will have a cure for death and then we can revive them again. And just personally, I kind of think they've watched too many sci-fi movies. We have uh, responded in so many different ways. What happens when someone dies? Job says, if, so Job may come, if someone dies, will they live again? I want to just address three things. I want to look at that question speculatively because that is rampant in today's time. I want to look at it historically, that question, if I die, will I rise again? Historically, what about death? And lastly, can we make it personal? Let's look at it personally. What about me? Speculatively, back in the time 2,000 years ago when Jesus went to the cross, it was believed by many of the people of that society, for instance, if a warrior died, that his weapons would go with him into the next life. 
uh, there were many different thoughts regarding death, and they had in the Hebrew time in the Old Testament uh, somewhat of a belief of a place called Sheol, a place after life and then death. Jesus would really bring about the exposure and truth to this when he went to the cross and rose again. Job, when Job actually asked the question, if someone dies, will they live again? Job would just later in that very same phrase say, but I will be renewed. And then if you go five chapters later in Job chapter 19, verse 25, Job would declare under a prophetic revelation, because he really didn't understand this. Under prophetic revelation, Job would say, I know that my Redeemer lives. He had no idea really what he was saying there, except that life as we have it on this earth is not all there is. There's something else happening. There is an eternity. There is something beyond the grave. Job didn't have grasp of that. I mean, God would, throughout the Old Testament, just begin to peel back layers of revelation, bringing us to 2,000 years ago to the resurrection of Christ. Resurrection Sunday, today, is all about the answer to the questions of death. So we can look at it speculatively. But let's take a look at that question. If someone dies, will they live again? Let's look at it now historically. Around the world today, over a billion people are uniting in a single testimony. Yes, uniting in their private homes, but together in the testimony that a man did die. His name was Jesus Christ. He died in full public view. He died where citizens of Jerusalem saw him. He was witnessed by his enemies. His death was verified. He was buried in a known man's tomb. The people embalmed his body. The soldiers were well qualified to guard that tomb. They were officially there to seal his doom. Yet, on the third day, the tomb was empty, the grave clothes were still in place, and the body was gone. And then the appearances. Peter, the women, then the disciples, friends, and then the public, crowds, both believers and unbelievers, over 500 eyewitness accounts over the next number of days that Jesus had risen from the dead. So to answer the question historically, if someone dies, will they rise again? Will they live again? Well, he was right before their eyes, documented not only in in biblical history, but just in history. There could be no fabricating this story. A number of years ago, a fellow by the name of Chuck Colson, who was served in U.S. politics, had committed a crime. And while serving his prison sentence for his part in the Watergate scandal, he commented that regarding all the years that Jesus' personal friends, his disciples, lived following the death and resurrection of Christ. In all those years, the disciples never backed down in their witness testifying to his resurrection. I mean, these are the very men who ran from his trial afraid. These are the very men who could not take a stand even after he was put in the grave for their faith. And yet here these men, all those years following, 
continue to be steady and unified in their testimony. They had seen and experienced, talked with, and known the risen Savior. Chuck Colson, in his dialogue of this, he said, he said, this is miraculous. He says, you have no idea how miraculous this is. He quoted, he says this, he says, regarding the Watergate scandal, he said, we couldn't hold our stories together for three weeks under pressure. He said, I was around the most powerful men in the world, but we could not hold the lie. He continues, he says, if the resurrection of Christ was not true, those disciples, disciples could never have held out. Someone would have dug out the tape or something. End quote. Jesus won over death, as promised. In John chapter 8, 51, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Well, of course, death is our enemy. Our, this body will go back to the grave at some unknown point. But the point is, it's the New Testament vibrates with the assurance to the believers that Christ possesses the life of resurrection at the moment we believe. Historically, we have sound ground in believing in Christ's resurrection. Speculatively, lots of speculation. Historically, we recount these details. But let's bring it home. Personally, if I die, will I rise again? Many of you who are watching today or listening, many of you have witnessed and been at the, and been at the bedside of someone who has died. I, over the years of pastoral ministry, have been at the bedside of family, of church family members, and of people I didn't know, just loved ones called me in to be there. I have noticed in the times that I have been there in those final moments on this earth, a marked difference between those who were followers of Christ and those who were not. There was a TV interview a few years back of a political figure who shot himself in front of the cameras. His last words before he took his own life were, things seem to go wrong too many times. Things seem to go wrong too many times. And so he checked out. But what a different scene it is for those who go to sleep in Christ. When a deceased person is a Christian, a believer, a follower of Christ, I think one of the first people I witnessed dying was my grandma. And there were a number of people who... Uh, uh, at the bedside of grandma, she uttered these final words, Lord, I love you, came from her lips. And I remember family members looking at each other and saying, did, did she say what we thought she said? And they verified, Lord, I love you, as she stepped across into eternity. That is the color of Resurrection Sunday. It is in Christ we will live again. <laughs> Years after that fateful Titanic sinking, a Scottish survivor admitted publicly in the icy waters as he was floating on that, again, fateful night. He drifted close to a preacher by the name of John Harper, a preacher and evangelist from Glasgow. John Harper, the preacher, shared with this Scottish companion 
One sentence, one sentence only from the New Testament. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And then the Scottish man said that John lost hold of the piece of driftwood he was holding on to, and the evangelist sank beneath the waves. As the Scotsman put it later, he says, there alone on that night with two miles of water under me, I believed. I believe as well that I am John Harper's last convert. You see, the end for John was really the beginning of this Scotsman's life. If you would, the end for John was a vitally needed rehearsal. If I die, will I rise again is the question. We face it differently than Job faces it because Job was looking ahead to a redeemer who would come. Today, we're looking back. Christ came and he lives and he lives. We can choose to answer that question. If someone dies, will they live again? We can choose to answer that question in terms of the suicidal man. What hope is there beyond the grave? Or in John Harper's last convert's words, I believe. I trust today, if you're listening or watching today, and you haven't made that decision to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you can have the assurance of your salvation, your sins forgiven, as you surrender your life to his lordship and allow him to be Lord and Savior. Outside of the rapture, we all will face death. But there's a resurrection, a resurrection for those in Christ who believe that they too will be with Christ and live forever. Jesus rose again. He conquered the grave and promises that we who are alive in him will see him and be together. If I die, will I rise again? There's a song I enjoy. It goes like this. The words say, I know he rescued my soul. His blood has covered my sin. I believe. I believe. My shame he's taken away. My pain is healed in his name. I believe. I believe. I'll raise the banner. My Lord has conquered the grave. That just makes me want to get up and sing a hallelujah. My Lord has conquered the grave. My Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. We rejoice in that today. My Redeemer lives. If I die, I will rise again because my Redeemer lives. I'd like to pray with you. And then after the prayer, we're just going to go to this video clip. But before we do, I really do want to just make this again personal. That question, if you die, will you live again? So Lord, we just bow our hearts and we pray, I pray, oh God, like John Harper's last convert, may we say today, I believe. May we call on the name of Jesus. Lord, I know many watching, maybe all watching, have made that decision and have chosen to surrender their life to you, to be their Lord and Savior, not just one time away back when, but every single day. 
But Lord, maybe we even just need to say, Lord, today again, I believe. I do believe. I place my life firmly into your hands. But Lord, maybe there are those here today who can't say that, have not said that, or once said, but have really turned their backs on you. And for whatever reason, here we are today with that question before us. If I die, will I live again? Lord, cleanse us, heal us of our sins. Wash away our sins that only you can do. Thank you for your resurrection, having buried my debt so that I would have life again with my Lord and Savior. Grant that we pray this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.